Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. Welcome along to the GER on a Thursday. Conan and Connor here with myself in the studio. Hello to all our YouTube users. Keep forgetting to say hello to you um, people. There's only one place to start here, lads, and this is All Stars. So we get the football team. This is very exciting tonight before tomorrow night. And of course, obviously, All Stars are open to interpretation and nobody's opinion is any better than somebody else's except the selection committees. But I've got some serious issues with this team. <laughs> I know what I have. Hardly. I've got, I've, it's, it's angered me. The big one is obviously Brian Howard's been picked in midfield. Brian Howard didn't spend a minute in midfield. Um, he played wing forward and he was outstanding. He's a shoe-in for an all-star. The best wing forward, um, arguably, in his role the whole year. Well, not arguably, he was the best yeah. all-round um, uh, wing forward. And now he's picked a midfield. That's wrong, wrong, wrong. I thought we were getting away from that. I thought we were moving away. The all-star should be the best player in that position. So it's completely wrong that he's, he is uh, at midfield. Colm Cavan is at full-back. Colin Kavanagh is a defensive midfielder. He's a weird one with Colin Kavanagh. He was outstanding all year except for the two games against Dublin. So, like, I mean, I would have Colin Kavanagh borderline all-star in the absence of another midfielder that would push him out. Kerns from Monaghan maybe might be the next one in line. I'd have Kavanagh slightly ahead of him. So I'd have Kavanagh in midfield as an all-star. He's an all-star midfielder. He's a defensive midfielder. Now, he's the most defensive midfielder yeah. we've ever seen in the game. But there's always been offen- defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. Like when Leash, we had a very regular midfield partnership with Noel Garvin and, and Pora Clancy and Noel Garvin dropped and Clancy had licence to go forward. It's like soccer central midfielders. Like, I mean, this was always the way. So there was always one midfielder that will drop and maybe stand around the half-back line if one of the half-backs goes forward and use his head. He takes this to a new level. He contests ball in midfield. He's a midfielder that drops back. He marks no one. So he has no defensive responsibilities and he's taking an all-star off Ryan Wiley who has kept the best forwards in the game completely quiet. They're my two big ones. Discuss. They're they're very good. Yeah, like I agree the Colin Cavanagh thing. He's not... He's not a fullback. He's not. He's not marking anyone back there, so he shouldn't be back there. He should be midfield. I agree with that as well, and he should be allowed to play wherever he wants in a midfield role. But yeah, it's nonsense if you look through yeah, the because, list because he can test kickouts. See, sometimes you might have Mark McHugh say as a sweeper, and like I mean, he doesn't really. He stays full time sweeper. He doesn't really go back to his half forward line position. Or sometimes a corner forward will come back and sweep. Colin Cavan is unique to that. It's not he's a full time sweeper. He's contesting midfield battles. Like he's a midfielder. Yeah. 
but he just runs back to help his defence an awful lot more. So he, he's not a full-time sweeper even. He's not always back there. Yeah, exactly. And he's been some of the best high feeling like this year as well. Fetching, yeah. Anyone. But I think if, if they're going to get into this where you're putting a midfielder fullback and saying that's the way the game's gone, like, well, they have to change the formation of the of the whole All-Stars thing. If they change the formation, then I'd happily have Colin Cavan as a sweeper in front of the fullback line. Do you know... But they're not doing that. They're playing a traditional formation, so they have to pick yeah. him. See, every team doesn't pay a sweeper, so it's very. It's I, know I think the sweeper just has to suffer because there's no actual position. Yeah, you don't get your yeah, all star. Pick him half forward, like Mark McHugh won. Unless Mark yeah. McHugh, because he impacted the game so well going forward in 2012, he deserved his all star as a wing forward because he like he played sweeper, but he he came forward an awful yeah. lot and affected a lot of games. I remember the goal against Down where he's just cutting through. Um, like I mean, that's different. Do you know that it's, yeah. it's that's just different? There can never be a sweeper position because every team doesn't play one. Yeah. And I think sweepers just have to take the hit on this. But Colin Cavan is not taking any hit <laughs> because he's just getting full back. Connor, what's your take on well, this? Didn't they try and avoid this a few years ago by kind of delegating the All Stars into defenders and forwards as opposed to having the traditional six positions? But still, uh, I don't know. Just looking at it, the the shoehorning of people into various positions kind of annoys me a little. You mentioned. Colin Cavan going back full back Brian Howard into midfield where he never played even and I know it's forwards but when you see Paul Mannion kind of lined out at number 10 and there's a couple of people that played actually wing well, forward Howard, throughout the year he took Brian, Howard's wing Brian, forward Brian, position Brian, Brian took Cavan as midfield position <laughs> <laughs> and, because, and then Shane Walsh didn't even get a look Shane in like, Walsh, so. like I mean don't get me started on Shane Walsh I'm yeah. annoyed about that like I, yeah. I mean this this is a fella right who played well against Mayo and Castlebar not brilliantly but played well he missed a couple of chances but still I think he got two, two from play he played very well he just dropped well. a couple short that kind of tired his performance yeah tired but still a very good yeah, performance yeah, yeah. didn't play it then against Sligo Connacht final outstanding Brilliant. man of the match followed that up with an outstanding man of the match performance against Kerry followed that up by an outstanding link man performance against Kildare and Newbridge yeah. and then wasn't in any way brilliant against uh, Monaghan at home but none of the Galway mm-hmm. team were and then against Dublin he scored 1-5 now John Small tracked him the whole game he scored 1-5 John Small got sent off late in that game he got a goal so he got, got two from play on, yeah. and three frees and the frees were difficult frees what more does a man need to do to get an all-star like that's being outstanding in most of the games including Super 8s and All-Ireland semi-final how do you not get an all-star and that's on a, a provincial final I don't understand if, that, if that's not enough to get an all-star Peter Canavan has got an all-star based on an All-Ireland semi-final and a final yeah, like I mean, I and there's more. It, there's more evidence in in support of Shane Welsh this year as well because there were super eights. Do you know what I mean? And there was only if you pick out, you went through all of his games there. The only game that I can think of that he didn't really have an impact on was the Monaghan game. And as you said, the Monaghan game didn't really matter at the time. Not that it didn't matter, but Galway didn't show up on didn't the day. show up that so day. So Shane Welsh shouldn't re shouldn't be singled out. Uh, that that shouldn't be that shouldn't be set back Shane Wells too much in his credentials for an All Star. So that, and they made the league final. They made the yeah yeah. Like if you're yeah. talking about and he was. Like, one of their like he's their one of the best forwards. Now I don't think league really makes much of a difference. But if you're to take the whole year, mm. Galway get one All Star. Now they have had better. Like I, I agree with you, Conan, that it shouldn't be about. I have no Donegal player on it, unfortunately. Even though they won a, an Ulster, I don't think this traditional way of looking at it that right they have to have one. No, they don't have to have mm. one. They have to have an outstanding player in that position. Now Shane Walsh is that outstanding number 12 for me yeah. and as a backup for that then you can use Galway's year you know what I mean yeah, yeah. If your starting point is does he deserve to get on it your starting point shouldn't be will they have to have one 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's interesting you bring up Donegal because the way I look at this, it's like a whole butterfly effect. What's happened, this position will change. So you have Ryan McHugh and Mannion at wing forward and now Howard's in midfield and now Cavan is back. And I think Ryan Wiley, as you said, is missing out there. He's played nine games, conceded not five. Six yeah. games. Do you have the breakdown there? I yeah, that's no, tweeted his, it. His, like, his individual. This is a cornerback yeah, whose yeah. bread and butter is defending against yeah. the hardest players in the game. This is the art of cornerback. Yeah. And Colin Cavan has taken an all star off him. Yeah. That's yeah. Com- how can the all star? Yeah. They should be made to come out and explain <laughs> these decisions like a referee. But that's at nine games, man on man, and con- like for six of them didn't concede one point. Like you know, for it's outrageous. Like the whole game, like outrageous. Kevin O'Kane put it out. It was. Tyrone against Mark Bradley and Ronan O'Neill no scores against Corrigan no scores against Fermanagh Curry no scores he only played the second half that game against Leitrim against Ryan O'Rourke he conceded two but he scored one himself Ross Munnelly conceded nothing Neil Flynn for Kildare conceded two Paul Ganey nothing James O'Donoghue nothing Ian Burke one point Lee Brennan and Mark Bradley in the semi-final no points that's an all-star mm-hmm. yeah. and that's your that's getting to an Ireland semi-final <laughs> based on that man-marking form that's all-star yeah. form and, and now just because like Owen Van Gallagher a lot of people would see him ahead of Wiley because he's bursting up the field and scoring a point but it's, that's not the bread and butter of cornerback play yeah. like I mean that's more eye-catching but that's not necessarily the best cornerback that year like yeah. why, why is a proper marking cornerback in fairness Johnny Cooper got one for being a proper he's he's changed his game from being the eye-catching cornerback mm. to being a proper marker maybe they didn't want to go with two Hamsey's a proper man marker I think the whole full back line should be fit because that's not an easy place to be back there man marking the hardest best <coughs> players and forwards in their team they have a lot of help these days but that's neither here nor there that's the full back mm. line for me it's not a midfielder come sweeper yeah, yeah. and like Gallagher sorry Connor because like, oh, right. Gallagher is one who's really missing out and he scored one one in the final he scored a point I know you're sending out the scores against Tyrone in the Super 8s didn't concede against Mannion in the Super 8s I don't think he was great in the Super 8s he was coming back off an injury he didn't really impact that game much at all uh, but yeah. he got injured after 90 minutes against Roscommon which you know might have affected that day so I'm looking at him thinking he's unlucky but then you look at what your full back line should be and it's Cooper it's Wiley and it's Hampson you're like well That's sorry the back. Then, yeah, yeah. then you say sorry Owen Ban you're not up to the, you're not at their level I know, like I mean I don't have Mannion on my team and you'll take a bit of criticism for that because like I mean for me it's him versus Ian Burke um, at number 13 I don't have Mannion wing forward even though the Dublin forward line they might leave four up and they kind of interchange around you you could argue that he could be picked anywhere probably in the forward line he ain't getting an all-star off Brian Howard so now he's got the 13 because he plays 10 or 13 on the left hand side so it's first it's Mannion versus Ian Burke now Mannion's an interesting one because I was up at the match in Oma against Tyrone and he was struggling like I mean the biggest thing he did in the game was he made a track back and made a brilliant tackle at a really important point of the game yeah. but he kicked a really bad wide in the first half I remember thinking to myself during that game he was coming off the back of scoring nothing against Donegal I remember thinking geez, Mannion's struggling to recreate last year's form that was what was in my head on mm. watching Mannion that year so like he hadn't hit the heights didn't play against Roscommon then scores four in the semi-final and he gets 1-1 in the final now the, the goal was a penalty brilliant penalty mm. he had a good final he scored four out of 24 in the semi-final for me the impact Ian Burke had for his team puts him ahead of Mannion as far as I'm concerned he transformed Galway's forward line everything went through him first half against Dublin I think Galway scored eight points and Burke was either fouled or set up seven, you know, yeah. something outrageous where I think Johnny Cooper was taken off and there was changes made on him. 
Kerry there was changes made on him in the first half he was that good he destroyed Kildare super eights now we're talking uh, three points and loads of assists in the Connacht final this fellow was the outstanding number 13 of the year as far as I'm concerned Mannion brilliant and we saw how brilliant he was last Monday night but that's irrelevant to the All-Stars that, for me that's an argument as to why he doesn't deserve an All-Star because that's what he's capable of mm. and I didn't see that, those heights from him yeah. at all but that's another argument is he allowed to hit those heights and take shots from the sideline for Dublin <laughs> that, like the first two points he get against St. Jude's were out, outstanding yeah. he, they're flare points that we just don't see from Dublin forward so is Mannion losing out to the Dublin system well, just going back to Ian Burke. Ian well, Burke, he hasn't lost out, by the way. He's lost, <laughs> lost out to me on my team. Ian Burke completely turned the game against Mayo as well. And yeah, he came completely on, did. He came on in the second half, set up the winner goal, but like was just he was so good at winning ball, and he's the fastest hands that I've ever seen. Like just just to transfer in the ball so quickly. Like if you're making a run off Ian Burke, you know you're going to get the ball, and you know you're going to get the ball in the most advantageous position for you to take a score after that. So like, yeah, like I'm I'm delighted for him that he's involved in the team. And as for Mannion, I think you're right. I think the narrative about Paul for a while leading up to the semi-final was that that he wasn't hitting the heights of this year now it's their high heights to have to hit they are but I remember like the first, the semi-final I think was one of the first balls he got Owen Curran had been having a brilliant year for Galway he skins him down the side gets a point off him really kind of lays down a marker but Paul Mannion isn't the first player, player that will probably have gotten all-star based on their semi-final and their final contribution alone now that should possibly have changed this year because there was three essentially three quarterfinals with the Super 8s yeah. but I think I don't know some, maybe it's not the case with Mannion but some people confuse what the All-Stars are meant to be I mean some people say oh Paul Mannion's they one do. of the best forwards in the country exactly that's not the point He's no. the, but was he one of the best forwards in the country this year you in see his what, position yeah, yeah exactly and you see with Cluxton oh, one of the greatest players of all time but like yeah of you course, get that a lot of course, don't he, is. Yeah. Of course yeah. he is but like was he you have to was <laughs> he the greatest player were, of all time if this you were year? picking the best All-Ireland 11 or 11 15 Mannion and yeah. Cluxton to be on it every day well, that's, not the, all, that's not the old yeah. but you're amazing how much you get people saying that yeah Mannion's yeah. like the best co- number 13 in Ireland yeah I know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's disputing that yeah so it was like, funny like I, I think you might mention Tomas O'Shea but uh, and he was on about the amount of dubs being in the team I have his tweet yeah. before you go anywhere to do four in a row and get seven players question mark question mark question mark nothing against Began at all he had a great season and forget the last few years but Cluxton was the best goalkeeper this year Kerry the only other team to do four in a row in the all-star era and they got nine that year I'd have nine or ten for the dubs this year I, I just can't now I know Tomas listens to podcasts so Tomas I'm talking directly to you <laughs> how the hell are you t- oh, four in a row is irrelevant to who are the best players in, the, in those positions this year exactly. four in a row is comp- it's completely irrelevant he's just said forget the last few years and then he said Dublin have won four in a row like forget about the last few years yeah. so we're talking about this year so this the other year. three all-in's don't matter so I don't know what he's talking about unless he's obviously the Kerry thing but like I'd say that I, I look I don't even want to comment on Kerry <laughs> getting nine all-stars it's, it's so far back and I didn't see those games but at the same time it just makes no sense my theory in Tomas O'Shea is is that the Dublin trolls have infiltrated his mind <laughs> and because they they've made these Dublin trolls have blocked most of them now on Twitter because they actually get inside your head that you're anti-Dublin and suddenly then you have to try and show that you're not anti-Dublin by overly praising Dublin when they don't necessarily deserve it. I think this is what Tomás has fallen I think he's fallen into this trap. Pat Spillane has fallen into the trap ever since the Connolly thing. He's going out of his way now mm. to to say how great Dublin are. Out of his way when it's not even... You're not being... You just be true to yourself. That's the way I would say because I'd be very kind of of the opinion that I try to be objective but they make you think you're not and then you double guess yourself and then uh, 
listen yeah. to us I've been through this I've been through yeah, this just fight <laughs> fight it as hard as you can just give your own honest opinion you can't speak for the most the, the funniest thing I saw though was that loads of people were replying to him and somebody said to him well if Colin Cavanagh can be accommodated full back well then surely Cluxton and Began can be accommodated in the same team yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do throw Rory Began at a cornerback and like, Cluxton, Cluxton and cornerback yeah well they're not far <laughs> off yeah, that yeah. you know like I mean this is the this is the way and this would this would absolutely uh, please absolutely everybody yeah but I mean the funny thing is you probably sound critical of Dublin at the minute but you're just arguing that there should be six players instead of seven in the all-star yeah. team you know so you actually still argue it's only Mannion I've taken out of that they've given which is six I actually personally don't think and this should be a standard set that all Ireland champions and this isn't Dublin this is any all Ireland champions shouldn't get more than five because as far as I'm concerned on any winning team you have five players that have just been out, have been head and shoulders above everybody else so you look at Galway this year and you think Ian Burke Shane Walsh so they were a level above all the other then you look at Comer who was really really good but maybe not at, the, at their level see this is why you see Mannion being really really good but Kenny was outstanding yeah, yeah. then you see James McCarthy being really really good but Jack McCaffrey was outstanding you can see the difference in levels of them being really really good this is now these are players of their generation just being really really good they, they could probably have a better year mm. so I think an all-star it, it's all relative on the Dublin team of 15 who were the five lads that were that bit better mm. than all these other good players Do you know what I, I think that should be the criteria yeah. set not that you're played really really well and are one of the best players of all time in a really good team <clears throat> Sure, in that case, you're nearly a shoe in before the year yeah, starts. But I, I don't agree though, because like, Dublin, what do you mean you don't agree? <laughs> but like, Dublin players are playing at a higher level than everybody else, and it is all relative to who they're going up against in their positions. So the fact that there's seven of them ahead of other players in other positions, I don't think they should be sort of taken away from, like just because they have more better players yeah. than all around the positions. Well, I think I think that's why Mannion loses out for me. There's someone better. I think James McCarthy, even though he's like, geez, I people think I've something against James McCarthy. I didn't put him on it last year I think I'd have him on at centre back this year but in the absence of a real mm. see James moves around plays wing back centre back midfield I think he needs to find a position I think you know he played a few games midfield this year but uh, like I do think that if if there was an outstanding candidate at centre half back from another team James McCarthy might potentially lose out because I don't think from his standards he's been outstanding yeah. on the Dublin team do you know he's been really he's just he's just a He's a brilliant player who's been really good. It's, it's, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, but he mightn't necessarily be your first choice number six, your first choice number eight, and the first choice number nine. You need him in your team somewhere. Yeah. But there are potentially better, not not many. There are not many yeah. better players at centre back or midfield. He's a midfielder. He's been midfield most of this year. Like he's been put in centre back. In and last year, did he get midfield? Last year, I think he was put back wing back because Cavan and Fenton were midfield mm. as well mm. last year. So he, it's a weird one with him. Like you could argue you'd put him midfield. Like you could actually even argue that Brian Howard could go centre back because he played wing back one game and he went back marking Donny Kingston in front of Donny Kingston and in front of Cavan in the All Ireland final. You could actually make a stronger mm. argument for James McCarthy to midfield, Brian Howard centre back, and then twiddle things around you're sti- you know what I mean but anyways listen we've probably overdone that all-star, to- all-star talk I'd love to see you on the committee <laughs> like I did better not have me like, I mean, do it, well it would have to be a majority decision because if it, if it needed well if it needed everyone to agree you, this, this meeting could go on a while this but even just bring you the team like you're not involved in initial discussions and they bring you the team and you come in what the hell is this and you start rejigging things yeah and then just me and Martin Brettany go, go toe to toe with a good 
the route there'd be only one winner there as well let's be honest I'd be the younger younger fighter uh, <laughs> that's a GAA jackass in the making I think <laughs> yeah me versus Brehany in a, in a uh, no holds barred in the uh, octagon yeah <laughs> the octagon uh, well he wouldn't do it, uh, no. it. alright listen I respect my elders um, Wicklow made a statement lads because we've been very critical of the issue with St. Pat's and Ratnew and how Obviously, we all know St. Pat's had to play road the day after they won the county final replay. So they've released a statement. It was in the Examiner. <clears throat> I was reading this. And they said the reason that the replay couldn't have been played earlier is there was a crossover of dual players participating in both senior hurling and senior football. We know that. Everybody knows that because Glen Ely's and Ratnew are pretty much in the latter stage of the championship every year. So you should really have a heads up about that this is a potentially going to happen our competition regulations do not provide extra time in a county final and we were constrained by Jewel Park Ockram not having uh, what's Ockram called now what's the sponsor Jolie Jewel, yeah, that's the sponsor yeah. right. I'm not sure how to pronounce it I'm not sure how to pronounce it either not having floodlights to host a replay midweek so I take the I take the floodlights excuse I do not take to our competition regulations. Mm. You are the governing body. You might oversee, overrule if the two teams agree to play an extra time. You might have, when you see what's coming down the line and the potential of having players play two days in a row, I think that's a lot more serious than you bending your competition rules when you are the governing body who sets, who yeah. sets these yeah. rules. It's <clears throat> nonsense. So anyways, then they said we made efforts to change the date of the Leinster Club Championship match with Road, but no agreement could be reached. Don't blame Road for that one little bit. Why would they change the date when they're down fixed and they're preparing for that day and they're going to change just because Wicklow don't have their house in order? Absolutely not. Road don't have to do that. So... In a county where hurling and football are treated equally, we do best to plan our fi- fixtures in a way that gives the dual players the respect he deserves. That's up, up for debate based on what we just saw. It is, however, impossible to legislate... Now, this is the bit I ha- highlighted here. I thought it was a classic. It is, however, impossible to legislate for all possibilities. Right, I might just stop there because it, this is not all possibilities and it's not impossible to legislate for a bloody draw in a, in a match <laughs> right so then to say if we <laughs> let's just like read had everything else covered. yeah 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 <laughs> except for this big thing so here it is I'll read this again it is however impossible to legislate for all possibilities <laughs> let me remind you it was just a draw that's all now a draw a draw in the football final if we had allowed for the possibility that both county finals could have ended in draws, we would have had to start and finish our senior championship four weeks earlier. See, I don't agree with that either. Because if the senior hurling is a draw, that's different. If the senior football is a draw and there's dual players, that just needs to be moved back a week. Mm, yeah. right? So you're just yeah. moving the football back a week. You're moving the hurling back a week to allow for the draw because that could potentially clash with the with the with the Leinster Club so the Leinster they're playing in Leinster Club um, this week so they actually have two week break between the hurling final so the hurling final wouldn't have to would only let me, let me just make, be a bit clear on this the hurling final was on the 20th of October so if you're saying there was a draw on that it would have been last weekend and they're out in the Leinster Club so they wouldn't have had to change the hurling at all yeah. so the hurling is fine all they would have had to do was change, bring the football back a week before based on the fact that there's so many dual potential players that if that was a draw there would be a two weeks between the football and the hurling. Then you're allowed for your following week. So the idea that they have to bring back their, this is to say, the possibility of any draws, we would have had to start and finish our senior championships four weeks earlier. Sure, that's nonsense. Yeah. You only actually would have had to change the football back one week. <laughs> that's yeah. all. Just to keep a two week break between the two of them, not have them on top of each other. The hurling date was fine because there was two weeks between the Leinster yeah. club. 
like just to do that like they keep two week break but like how many draws are sort of are replays or shoehorned in, in midweek as well because that's the gig if you draw it's the same in all competitions you have an extra game well they say they don't have floodlights to, to play them now that's that's based on the fact that they have to play it in Ockram I'd say the two clubs would have agreed to play it anywhere with floodlights yeah. maybe not to have to do what they did and that's and that's grand but I think they've also made the mistake of honing in on these couple of weeks where, where, where the point everybody else is making is that you know, Wicklow had since June to you know legislate for all these problems yeah. all these possibilities that could have come out of it yeah. they had the whole summer to they move it back four weeks if they had to. Well, did it, yeah, but four weeks is madness. Like, I know, I mean, four weeks is just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. It's a red herring. So, like, I mean, that th- that doesn't make any sense to me. They only needed to start the football final one week earlier, unless there has been draws during the year. No, there wouldn't have. Been, there sure there wouldn't have been draws. That would have made. They, they didn't start the championship until six weeks after they they went out. Yeah. They, they went out of the championship. I don't think. And they said that that was at the request of the clubs to finish off the county league. So they've been they've been pretty much full on since they they got out. Like they play. I think they play five group games in the championship as yeah. well. And that's, really to, be commanded. that's yeah, to be commended. That's to be commended. I mean, club like players. if you're looking at po- positives to, to come out of it, they the Wicklow club player has been playing. You know, we might we might we might complain in other counties that like the best months of the summer is when club players play no football. They were playing club football right throughout the summer. League uh, and championship. League and championship. Yeah. Apparently, the county players were available for all of it, but it still doesn't legislate for the fact that you're still coming to the end of October and your county champions have to play a Leinster yeah. championship the next day. And is that like just to move off this point? It's not legislating for all possibilities. It's no. legislating for a draw in yeah. your. Fine. Yeah. That's all. That's all. So that the teams don't have to do that, or the, so the teams don't have to play the next day. Um, Paul Broderick has been in the news. He is nominated for a football all star. He didn't get it. Um, he's talking about a second tier, and this is the same narrative that's coming out of Carlo all the time. Um, he said, and like I'm not criticising these fellas for this. Like that's what their belief is, and that's fair enough. He said, if you ask me, would I like to play in a second tier championship? The answer would be no. But if you ask me, do I think we're going to win the All-Ireland A, the answer is no to that as well. So I'm not really sure what he wants. So there's no disrespect to the teams who'd be playing. We're one of those who would be playing in the second tier, but they're not going to garner the same respect and enthusiasm for the public in Carlo. It's hard to know without trialling something like this, but it's been trialled before and didn't work. That was the Tommy Murphy Cup, which didn't work. Um, so I just thought that the idea that it's not going to garner the same respect and enthusiasm for the Carlo public... See, I, that's based on what evidence, do you know? Because, like, I mean, I was reading a piece with Juju McGee was talking about the new rules um, not working at club level in the independent. And he was talking about there only being 6,000 in a Moor Park, right? This is for the preliminary round of the Leinster Championship. And that had Carlo, Loud, Offaly and Wicklow. 6,000 lads, four counties. Like, mm. if you're give, splitting that equally, it's 1,500 each for a championship Leinster match. It's unheard of. So I have to ask... What enthusiasm are we talking about in Carlo? You move to the second round game that they played Kildare. Now, this is a big chance and they ended up beating Kildare. There was 5,172 at that game. Kildare have a have almost, wouldn't be far off Mayo for fanatical support. Now, they might not have bought into this team an awful lot after a bad league, but you'd imagine Kildare would have had the majority of that support. <laughs> so I'm asking, what enthusiasm are we talking about? The leash match. Right, like I mean, the leash awfully match. You could hear a pin drop. You could hear the players talking in the game. Like I mean, there wasn't. Yeah. I'm just now. I know Carlo only have a population of fifty six thousand, but I would challenge just because they have a core of maybe two hundred and some of s- strong supporters, and these show up to training or an open day, and it looks like this is really the evidence of who's going to games is not really showing a huge respect and enthusiasm amongst the Carlo public. Like I mean, maybe I've got I'm reading this all wrong, but I know from the f- point of leash. Leash beat Wexford, 
they beat Westmead and they beat Carlo all on the way to a Leinster final and the dark cloud of Dublin was hanging over all that end up losing by 20 points wouldn't it be brilliant if Leash had won those three games and suddenly were in an All-Ireland semi-final at, at the second tier level with a chance of winning a bloody final and parading that cup down, <clears throat> down and this is me coming from playing Division 1 and winning Leinster's I would champion Leash coming down the main street in Portland. Leash went out and lifted a Division 4 cup in Crow Park and celebrated it. The players were back in Port Leash that night in like matching suits. <coughs> this is Leash, a Division 4 league. Now think of a, a Tier 2 All-Ireland title. It would be brilliant. I can't ca- comprehend the mentality of someone who doesn't want to win something or have a better chance of winning something. Yeah, as I, you asked what, what is evidence based on though. <laughs> I can only assume it's based on the Division 3 and 4 leagues that nobody really shows up or, or cares that much it's probably yeah. based on the Tommy Murphy Cup it's the Christy Ring Cup you know where it's sort of the, those counties then go into a bit of nomadery if that's the word you know they do sort of disappear a little bit off the radar so that's I, I, the fear in Carlo and I do I would wonder if I, I would like to see Leash win in a Division 2 all Ireland and see just how much people care I think we would care I promise you we care I know we would I know people in Leash would care but would you like? why not the Tommy Murphy Cup and why, do you know like it's because the Division 2 All-Ireland is an All-Ireland based on 16 counties it's a big achievement yeah. like I mean that's an achievement it's a tangible uh, cup that, you know something that you can win it's, it's a huge thing I, for me those, uh, those wins that you were talking about though the three in a row like I would have thought that they were so good and so big because you were getting to the Leinster final you know you were getting no. so far in the main competition it, like okay well maybe this is coming from us who's been in Leinster finals like we the conversation were God help us when we get to the final you know what I mean it was all yeah. that was always the kind of caveat to these great results it wasn't what we're pushing on to win something or we're on the road we're mm. on the way to a hammering do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's the reality of it. I'd like, like he said, um, he said I wouldn't be in favour, not the way it's currently, but forward. I wonder, like, is he talking about this proposed second tier championship that we've been on about that um, it'll be on the same day as the All-Ireland Final, there'll be an all-star team out. You know, they make a big deal out of it. Is that what Paul, Paul Brodicker is talking about? I'm not sure. Or is he talking about, like, what it used to be, which is the Tommy Murphy Cup, which is uh, practically an afterthought. Do you I know would what agree I mean? with him based on the Tommy uh, Murphy Cup. So would Cup, I, and yeah. I, I. But I personally wouldn't. I, I personally, I'd be like, you, I, I, I think that it should be tier two championship. I think football's been crying out for a second tier championship for years. But I'm kind of wary of like imposing that opinion on the people. Like, cause, like I'm from Mayo. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm from a county that's always likely to be in the in the in the first tier championship, whatever. And it's easy for me to say, oh, sure. Why don't they just go into a second tier championship? Yeah. You know, because like, I, like it's it's not going to affect me. And, and like, and like I'm not a player either. So like, you kind of you can kind of see where he's coming from. They say I didn't train all you know for years and years and years or all year to be in a second tier championship. But I don't know. Like, I just love to know is he is he talking about the the championship then that's before that actually you know makes it a really credible championship or is he talking about it in previous iterations where it was really thought of the like you know the second class citizen compared to the main yeah, thing it's hard to know it could be a mix of two because there's no actual real uh, strong suggestion on the table yet John Horan's just kind of mooting this yeah, you know so yeah. we don't really know what it actually is so w- would you be against like well, not, I'm not trying to pose my idea on you but like if you were from Leash and I said we're all 32 teams are going into this 8 groups of 4 and if you don't get top 2 in those groups you are in the B second round so you're in the last 16 of the B competition would you be opposed to that? I wouldn't be I think it's an improvement on what it is but I think that there's a huge thing from being knocked out of the A and going into the B like I mean this, I know all about this I was on the B team in primary school 
and there's a huge stigma to being on the beat. Nobody wants to be on the beat. Well, like I caught I rem- the potty machine. And then, and they, <laughs> I remember they told us in uh, in primary school that oh well it's being split on classes they said like so whoever's in this class is on the B whoever's in this class but there was one or two that's in my told, class that's what they told you <laughs> yeah, yeah. but there was actually one or two that were like hey, hang on a minute how come there <laughs> but like I mean it was embarrassing to be on the B I didn't like nobody wants to be in a B be in an A and then knock back into this B that's why I think it's important they're called Division 1 and 2 because Division 1 and 2 doesn't have that same stigma also I think that you have to train all year for it the first like you when you set your goals out at the start of the year they have to be to win that division 2 title that has to be your goal and you're working towards that if your goal is to get is to get out of the group for example and maybe make it a bit further in the A and that happens that you're back in the B like but then you're like right let's just win the we'll call it the division 2 let's just win the division 2 now see I don't think so like I mean that's psychologically it's very hard to go back to like you have to believe that you can get far in this A so you're tri- fooling yourself into thinking you're A standard and then you're back in the B so like I was saying here before that even the qualifiers are a good example of this and this is putting you back into the A and lads are going to America they're you've got a huge gap trying to keep lads going and keep lads training when this is just to go back into the qualifiers yeah. but instead now you're going back into a B championship I don't know like I mean I, t- I think that's where it might that's where it might struggle but anyways we, like we're falling into a championship structures kind of hour long <laughs> podcast here um, there's Mayo trials here Connor. Um, I'm not asking you were you at them I must um, have lost my number James Warren <laughs> I think, but, <laughs> but it, what I thought was interesting at these trials is that Aidan O'Shea has been at them Colin Boyle has been at them Andy Moran has been at them Connor Loftus Donald Vaughan Keith Higgins Paddy Durkin Stephen Cohen all at the trials mm-hmm. now number one there are a few things on this obviously these lads are not on trial it's like I mean they're not they're just not on trial <laughs> but at the same time I do find on tri- with trials and this is I've played with Leash when O'Burn Cup was a joke to me that I was established I wouldn't even hear of it and you'd be going out in a burn Cup and you wouldn't really care you wouldn't be 100% and there's some poor fella beside you who's getting his one chance for Leash and you're not giving him the respect that he deserves to actually improve his performance and it was only at the end of my career I actually realised what a wanker you might have been during the O'Burn Cup where you're just this is a huge deal to a lot of lads on this team and you don't care you don't, you're not yeah. you're not being in any way respectful to their huge chance because when Justin McNulty took over Leash I had given up playing for two years under Sean Dempsey when I was playing with Parnells because I didn't want to join Parnells to avoid a commute and then start commuting down to Leash it would have been a total farce so when I joined Parnells I, I almost had to kind of give up Leash I was sick of the commute anyways but I remember that year Justin McNulty asking me back in and he asked me back in late and I wondered why he asked me back in it kind of seemed to me like maybe someone had pressured him into asking me back in or why wouldn't he have contacted me sooner but anyways um, went to a trial or two did alright and then was training really hard so my O'Burn Cup that year in 2011 I was I needed this O'Burn Cup <laughs> yeah. I needed it so we played Wicklow and I had like another thing with the O'Burn Cup is that you haven't played I hadn't played for Parnells in, tr- in maybe about 10 weeks hadn't played a game of football because all these training was uh, strength and conditioning and long distance running so this Wicklow game now I hadn't pr- played in 10 weeks some lads didn't give a shit that were now less lads didn't give a shit because it was McNulty's first year so everyone had to kind of impress him but I remember thinking this game against Wicklow is nearly make or break for me here and I didn't play that well wasn't terrible 
but I went out of McNulty's kind of picture I wondered was he ever in it but I just remember thinking geez, those are Burn Cup games down through the years like, I mean think of the poor fellas who came and went and got their chance every January but this is the point I'm making on this I think this is a great idea by Horan for the simple fact is they're giving these lads the respect that they deserve they're seeing how they can handle playing mm. against lads who are Dublin standard and that's how you judge a fella based on not how to play amongst the B standard players it's how to play amongst the top players yeah. do you know what I mean I think it's a good idea for that For the idea that they're on trial like I mean that's, no, that's I, just not I, the no, case no I don't think so I think when James Horne announced these initially I think the original perception from everybody and I'm not sure that this include the county players was that it wasn't going to include any of the county players that it would be those outside the panel looking to get a look in and then in, in his one of his first interviews he did afterwards he's like no everybody everybody will have to now he sold it as they have to show me again that yeah. you know they, they're up did to did he actually say I that I think he might have mentioned that kind of out maybe Probably out of respect a, to the people that would be trialing but he yeah. probably didn't mean it but yeah there was uh, as, as you said I think it's a great idea because if you were to perform well but there's no county players there it might give you a false perception of where you're at whereas if you're even though it's November end of October November the county lads mightn't be in the best shape that they would be in midsummer. you're still getting an idea of what the standard is and the gap between you if you're a young player the standard that you have to reach to eventually reach this Mayo panel Yeah. So, and I, do, I don't think even the James Horan would I don't think he would stand for the county lads going out and not really giving a shit do you, I don't think it's in those Mayo no, lads anyways especially standard. not in his first year back either yeah. even though he knows them I, I, I think a new slate kind of thing that, that, that's how he would have sold it but uh, there were six teams of 15 um, at the trials I think last Saturday and Monday and that doesn't include the senior, intermediate, or junior champions. So you'd imagine there would be about another ten or fifteen players out of that. And uh, but from all accounts, it's the established players that really stole the eye. Andy Moran was meant to be brilliant, and even the ones, even the ones outside of player, him, a player of the year <laughs> yeah. two years ago was brilliant at a yeah, trial. Exactly, but that's it. It's a shock. But it, it, even outside of that, um, I think the, the ones that impressed were players that had been involved in the county setup over the last couple of years. Heard Mikey Sweeney, Darren Cohn, Gareth O'Donnell. These are the names that were thrown out. These have all been involved. So. What is like at trials now I, you know I'm not one I'm very realistic about my own career but I was some man at a trial you mean oh, good unbelievably good oh, I used to hate really? them oh, I never went for a team that I didn't get on at a trial <laughs> I was brilliant at trial games I always stood out at trial games maybe not brilliant but I always stood out I always knew leaving a trial I have a great chance I'll, I'll be in the mix I never left thinking Were you extra greedy at a trial? I used to think that it helped the extra greedy players because they go out of the way to be hog and ball that they w- normally wouldn't and that if you're a team player but you kind of did the simple things well that didn't necessarily, didn't necessarily stand out, stand out No, you see I would have been more of a like maybe I was an eye catch see I would have been wing back in, a, in nearly all my trials Right. so that was underage leash trials um, leash senior and then international rules it would have been wing back and when you were going forward kicking two pints from wing back you say I'm in, I'm in here I, and you're, you're basically your man scoring nothing because he's running around after <laughs> you <laughs> like I mean that's probably wing back's just wing back is the trialist position you must have done well in the trials for the primary school if you want to make the beat <laughs> well they split the classes Connor <laughs> they told you <laughs> alright Tommaso Shea quickly geez, we're going to town on this top of the show here um, Tommaso Shea is getting his second mention on the podcast because he's been complaining and he has a he has a strong point here because there's been six fellas picked for international or for the uh, AFL um, Redmond Og Murphy is the latest one he's from Sligo so you have James Madden from Dublin you have two from Derry Anton Toll and Callum Brown you have, you have Kerry's Stefan Ockenbor and you have Cork's Mark Keane so it's the most in a calendar year since the the, the recruitment started and he's he's saying that 
clubs and county boards I think he says clubs should be compensated in some way and I can completely see his point like I mean I'd say Aussie rules teams can't believe their luck that they're just taking these players without having to pay anything now I don't know what transfer fees in Australia are like I don't think they're very big I think they do a lot of trades they swap players and stuff so I don't know if there's huge fees but like I mean even five grand for a club for like I mean anything yeah. is a help but to get them from for complete free I think that the five grand could be split between the county board and the club. Now, I'm only throwing t- five grand. Basically, you would want a percentage of what the actual average transfer fee, you know, over there is. But the idea to get them for free, I think, is just like th- that's something that really Ireland should be putting their foot down. I'm trying to think of the other side of it. And maybe are the concern that the AFL will pull out of it altogether and take that opportunity away from players. Like, I, I don't really know why there wouldn't be a fee. I'm trying to think of a reason. Yeah, well, like what I suppose that's what people like Tomas and I'm sure all of us would like to, the opportunity to not not come away completely from players, but for AFL teams, you take it a bit more seriously that they can't just sort of gather up a pile of people and then just sort of cast them aside yeah. when they don't need them anymore. That's a killer like, for Ian Derry. Like we've got we've got screwed. Like I mean, we've mm-hmm. got completely screwed on with a lot of players down through the years, and our best 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 pro- pro- prospect in the last twenty years, Zach, is still out there. Um, like there's some counties just get it worse than others yeah and like it's great for the players don't get me wrong but like it's not good for them if like AFL don't care about them then they just say right away you go we're finished with you we got you for free but if they had to actually invest in them then they would take this whole process a bit more seriously and yeah like I, like I look at Derry and think geez there's your two midfielders like, that could be Derry's two midfielders and now out in Australia and like you know good luck to them but surely like there should be some sort of like a lawyer can do something like when you join a Sunday league club for soccer you sign a contract and another soccer team can't you know take you away if you were playing GA, like the only reason you're getting an AFL contract is because you're playing GA. You're a free agent. Mm, so yeah. like you should be able to have some sort of agreement there that you are part of this club and if somebody wants to take you away. Well, some, sort of system, sorry, yeah. well, some sort of system like when you, you, have, you always hear that if a, if a big club gets a, gets a player from non-league and like the bigger they go on or like transfer free percentages whatever that the club will always benefit. Something like that I think. That's like, a good idea. You know, I, a bit like, I, I just, I, I like the idea of giving something back to the club in terms of a goodwill gesture. I just, I, I, I'd be wary about the mandatory imposition of a certain fee because then the whole issue a whole ethical questions raised about GA being an amateur organisation yet the AFL is paying I, I know yeah. it's, it would only be a token gesture well, but I it think, might be a little bit tricky I think that's a good point because they're on trial for two years so basically if they pass that test for two years then the club at home so they're being signed on a permanent contract mm. that's at the point that they need to pay pay the money do you yeah. know what I mean because most of them come back anyway we've yeah. talked about that so like I mean they come back mm. bigger and stronger and it's maybe not the end of the world so maybe that's it if you're going to lose the player forever like Zach or like yeah, you know yeah. Canelli, that is, okay yeah. well we've we've had this fella on trial we think he's good enough we're signing him a full time contract here's your 10 grand 20 grand it's going up now so yeah. like I mean we're <laughs> <laughs> okay last but no means least Colin Keyes had this in the independent and I just thought it was interesting and their county final attendances so in the football you'd be surprised to know Cavan had the biggest attendance so like I mean it's a very competitive competition and we know that there were like it was a a unique uh, 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 pairing and there was 8,469 Mayo was second that would surprise absolutely no one they're just just barely off Cavan and that was a big final but Mayo are fanatical Tyrone in third with 8,000 Armagh in fourth with 7,000 which is a very 
interesting one considering Cross McGlenn you would think nearly the interest in Armagh football would be gone mm. with the domination Cross McGlenn had but maybe they went away for two years came back they had and that drought as Aaron Kernan was saying the drought for two years <laughs> Dublin at 7,000 that's approximately 7,000 Tyrone is approximately 8,000 you would have thought Dublin would have more with Jude's and with Ballyboden and the fact that she's you know with the population alone the interest there you would mm. think Dublin really should be a full house then down then Cork Kerry 6,000 only Donegal 5,500 Westmead 5,000 that's good numbers for Westmead that was an all Mullingar well, Derby yeah. so that might have pulled in loads of people from the town just thought it was interesting that Cavan it's such a traditional county that like I mean they're not a powerhouse at inter-county level it was a unique pairing and they're the top Attendance. I don't really know is if it's a talking point here, lads. It's maybe just like <laughs> I thought that the fair play to me. <laughs> and hurling then, um, Cork, which will surprise no one, had ten thousand two hundred fourteen at the county final, um, which that was the best one. Kilkenny, unbelievably competitive championship, nine thousand one hundred forty-five. Limerick, Napierschig winning it most years, but still competitive, seven thousand two hundred and seven thousand five hundred twenty-six. Tipperary, seven thousand four hundred six. Then you had uh, Clare seven around seven thousand, Wexford around seven thousand, Offaly five thousand, Leash four thousand nine hundred come in on the on the on the top of the scale, which is more than Waterford of four thousand two hundred and seventy five, and Leash had more at their county final in Dublin in hurling, which is a very interesting one. We'll take a win over Dublin any day, <laughs> any day of the week, right? And again, that's not a talking point. Maybe if there's some absolute weirdos that found that interesting, the way same way I did, <laughs> judging by your facial expressions, they're like, what the hell are we? going through these numbers for right we'll come back with Liam Gavigan Come here I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind Yeah you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences All right, so Tyr Connell Gales come over to Ireland to take on Clan Gael this Sunday. That's the first time ever London Club has taken part in the Connacht Club Championship and their captain Liam Gavigan joins us on the line now. This is new territory to you, Liam. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I think um, <clears throat> I think every other year the London Club champions have gone in and played the provincial winners of a, a Connacht or an All-Star or a Munster. So uh, this is the first time London are going in in actually playing in in the in the province itself, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's new territory. It's, it's going to be something different, but um, it, it's something that is going to be a challenge, and we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, because I was talking to um, Greg McCartan last year before Fulham Irish played Currafin, and he was telling me how difficult it was to wait um, three months and then play the provincial winners. So, like, it's much better for the London champions to actually go into the Connacht Championship a couple of weeks after winning a county title rather than that huge layoff and try and keep things going. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think um, we've done it a few times with um, Chirconer Girls as well, where we've had to wait ten, eleven weeks to 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 play a game. And as you say, and as Greg said last year, it's so tough to keep training at that at that match intensity for that long without playing games, especially over in London. You know, uh, not many people are going to play you in in the middle of November, and you know, it's, it's very hard to to fly over for Ireland for games. So. It's great that we can you, we can roll off after just winning the club championship last Sunday and head straight into a head straight into a, a quarter final Connacht. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like, I mean, wh- what are the travel arrangements? And wh- First of all, why are you away? Because usually you get the game at home when you play the champions. Why do you have to travel this um, this time? And what are the travel arrangements? What are you, what, when are you going? Um, wh- you're staying over Saturday night, I presume. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure why it's away. If I'm being honest, you have to ask someone else that question. I, I'm not sure if they're doing home and away each year. So may, maybe it's in London next year. I'm not entirely sure on that. But yeah, it, look, it's uh, as you say. We'll, we'll fly over Saturday, and and we'll stay over in Saturday night, and we'll get ready for the game um, over there. It must be difficult for all the club players who would never have done this before travelling over the night before a game like you did it playing with London in the National League this year um, like uh, I played with Leash away games for us if we stayed over the Saturday night there was a lot of excitement it was difficult to sleep just because we never would be used to doing it Yeah definitely I think um, like we we must have um, seven or eight lads that have been have been with London before and uh, as you know, London travel over for league games, so we have we have a few lads in in the squad that um, have 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 done the travelling. So look, we're going to look to that, and you know, again, there is there is a bit of excitement, but at the end of the day, we've got a job to do, and we've got a game to prepare for, and we've got a lot of experience within that dressing room, and all we're doing is concentrating on the game Sunday. So all the travelling that that'll be forgotten about. We'll just be concentrating on on getting a performance for Sunday's game. Yeah, exactly. You're unique on the GA Hour. We've been doing this show for two and a half years. So you're the first Gaelic footballer with an English accent that we've interviewed. So tell everybody why you have an English accent. Yeah, it's probably a bit different. Um, yeah, no, I was born in London um, to Irish parents. Uh, my mum's from Mayo and my dad's from Sligo. And they obviously, they moved over here um, for work back in the 80s and have ended up staying here. And I was born here and started playing Gaelic football from a young age and just kept going up through the ranks and yeah have ended up playing senior football for the the Girls and, and playing for London Right okay and like when you'd be going to school I presume there'd be no Gaelic football in school this was all done at club um, at club level your friends would be obviously playing soccer that's the huge you know the big game uh, over there so like I mean have you, have you did you try to twist any of their arms to come with you or did they think you were a little bit strange going to play a sport they knew nothing about um, yeah, look, it had a, had a bit of a balance. I think uh, where I grew up in in West London, um, there was a bit of an Irish community. So um, I, I went to school. I went to a Catholic school um, in my area. So yeah, the majority would not play Gaelic football. But then you, you did you did have a, a small community of us that did play. So obviously, then we played for Chick on the Girls, which is based in Greenfield, where I grew up. So. Um, and you had loads of other schools within the area that would have friends. So yeah, when you go to training, you know you'd meet like-minded people that come from a, a similar background like me, from parents coming over here to work, and you know their parents send them out to play Gaelic football from a young age. So yeah, that just you know it, we just went along, and you, you made friends through that. So you, not only did you have your school friends that you grew up with that were playing, say, soccer and rugby and whatever, you also made friends in an Irish community through Gaelic football. In the um, county final in London, there's three English-born players like yourself on the Tyr Connells Gales team, uh, Ryan Elliott, uh, Killian Butler and yourself, and you scored 14 points between you. So there's a huge movement over in London and Kieran Dealey is behind this as well, is to, you know, uh, promote London 
born players to have London as your county and instead of having this huge turnover of players every year with Irish going out for a year or two that you actually have a solid base of London born players Yeah definitely I think it's 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 been a movement now for quite a number of years and um, I think I think it's the way to go personally I think um, London born players it, this is their home so they're not really going to move about you know um, so um, if you can build a base around a, a, a core London uh, group, then it's only going to benefit you. And thinking in my club now at the moment at Chick on the Girls, we, we have a junior team and it's all English born. So um, it's, uh, they, they compete in the junior championship and um, it's an all English born team and they won it this year, actually. Um, and again, that's, that's been 10 years in the making, you know? Um, so, it's that's gave that's given us a stepping stone to produce footballers um, for the, the senior club team um, because, as you say, you know the gulf between minor underage here in London and then step into a, a senior club game, it, it, it's quite big. So if we have that stepping stone in the middle of of, of a junior uh, competition, then it's only going to improve the footballers and um, and w- we've had that for about ten years now and and. S- We've we've got a, a good uh, stream of footballers coming through from it, and we had many on the bench on Sunday. A couple of lads come on in the last ten minutes there to really get us over the line, and and they were English-born lads as well. So, yeah, look, I think it's going in the right direction. And as you say, Kieran Dealey's is is pushing it with London, and he's he's got a lot of a lot of English-born players out with um, development squads and stuff like that. So, hopefully, in the, in the next few years, you know, we'll, we'll get more and more through. Yeah, how did the local-born London players feel about, say, an Irish player who'll come out? Um, he works for three or four months, you know, plays with them, and then disappears again. You know, is there a little bit of resentment with the fellas that come and go? Or are you delighted to have them out because they might be a good player? Um, yeah, look, you, you want to play with the best, don't you? So, you you know, with within London, you're going to have to accept that every every year it, it's going to change because you know. People, people move on for work. So look, that's part and parcel of being in London, and and uh, you know you, you just have to accept that. So yeah, whoever's in London at the time, and you know if they're a great footballer, then then you want to play with them. But I think at Chick on the Girls at the moment, we're very lucky that uh, we've had an Irish contingent that have been there for you know six, seven years, and they've settled in London. And that, again, that's really helped us. You know, year by year, you know you're, you're getting the same faces out and. You've got the English-born lads as well, and then you're you're adding maybe one, two, or three players each year to bolster the team. So uh, we're quite lucky at club level that we have had an Irish contingent that you know stayed in London for for that length of time, and it, you know it's really helped us to to build a team. Yeah, what's the underage? I, I presume you talked about the junior team being all London-born. I presume ninety percent of the underage teams would be London-born, especially the younger age groups. Yeah, yes. Uh, all the underage groups are um, are all English-born, you know. So um, look, you have you have various different clubs. Um, you have us like Chicken and Girls. You have Saint Kieran and Parnells and Taras. They're doing massive work underage. So um, look, I think uh, I think underage is, is is very strong. You have got Lloyd Colfer, who's a who's a development officer going into schools and that. So which I probably would, I I didn't get where I was I was growing up when I was in school, you know. Um, so I think there's there's things happening within London at the moment that's that's really helping us, and um, I think it's 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 going to bring through more more footballers that can play at a 
higher level. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And what about Sky? Because like, I mean, a big a big selling point of the GA selling the rights to Sky um, was that it would promote the game abroad. Do you see any evidence of that or is that just kind of, you know, a soundbite that was thrown out there? Uh, um, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't really seen uh, I've, I've, I've seen some of it. I've seen like a, when, when I go to work, um, you know, I, I work with people that wouldn't know anything about gaming football. So they come up to you and say, oh, I was at home at the weekend and, you know, there was a game on the on the telly on Saturday evening and I watched it and really interesting and, you know, they, then they may get into it and watch a few more games. So in that respect, you know, it, it being broadcasted on Sky, it, you know, it's getting, uh, you know, it's getting more people to, to probably watch it. But in terms of getting probably more interest of the people getting into Gaelic football abroad, it's probably not really happening. It's probably still, you know, you're, you're saying... Irish communities and things like that. So yeah. you're not I, I think definitely people are watching it more. You're not seeing English families rock up at Tyr Connell Gales and say, "I saw the game on television. I'd like to sign my son. I'd like to sign my son or daughter up." Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I don't. I don't think that's happening. I think people are, you know, just at home and, and tuning in and just enjoying the watching the game. But yeah, I don't. I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they're bringing their their kids down to Tyr Connell Gales to to take up Gaelic football yeah exactly come here you mentioned work there and you've got you work night shift so like I mean I was reading that you obviously sleep all day but you think that it's not the worst thing you're well rested then when you go training is the way I was reading you put it which is fair enough but I was just wondering when you come off night shifts and you have to change your body clock back around for the weekend for matches that must be a real challenge yeah that's that's, that's the toughest part um yeah, as you say, during the week, Monday to Friday, it's you know I'm, I'm in a routine. It's very easy to just get up in the afternoon and then get yourself ready for training, and you're going to training, you know, quite fresh compared to maybe other lads who have done a, a nine-hour work, yeah, nine-to-five job or whatever. So in that terms, in that terms, it, it is it is it is beneficial. But um, yeah, as you say, um, trying to change your body clock for weekends, it's uh, it can be very, it can be very tough, and you know it's it. You know, you, it's tough to sleep at night and stuff. So, but I think I've over the last three or four years, I've managed it quite well. And you know, it's 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 something I just have to manage. And again, it's just part and parcel of playing the the game of Gaelic football. You know, you have, you have to do things and and manage your own body clock and things like that. So. It's, something I just have to do just an extra yeah an extra challenge come here you're London captain and you're London's best forward you might not like to admit that but that's what um, most people would agree um, but like I mean London had their best year in 2013 I was wondering why you missed that because we would have become much a lot very familiar rather with a lot of the London players from that year and you weren't around um, at that time yeah no I played um, I played in 2011 um, when Paul Coggins done his first year, um, and I was, I think I was 19 at the time. Um, but then I stepped away for a few years. Um, I, I had exams at work and things, and and then I, I went and done a bit of travelling and stuff. And so yeah, I stepped away for a few years, and then I came back then the end of 2015, and um, I've carried on since then. So yeah, I missed 2013. So um, yeah, they had a great run that year, and you know it was a bit disappointing to miss it, but. Um, yeah, and I wasn't. 
I wasn't I wasn't available for that time. Yeah, but the future, like I mean, it's it's optimistic. You won a game in the the league this year and drew with you drew with Limerick and you beat Wicklow. Um, well, so things are looking up. Like Kieran Dealey, this is me from the outside. It looks like Kieran Dealey is raising the profile of London football, and he's got a sports science background. He seems to be doing a very good job. And like I mean, when you when you look at the eight homegrown players on the London team, the underage structure, like the future is bright for London London football. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I think um, Kieran's come in, and you know, he he has really brought us to another level. You know, as you say, his his professional background is within sports science, and he, you know, he deals with professional football clubs like um, QPR. So, you know, he's used all that expertise to to really get the best out of out of London GA and out of us players. And he's brought in the right people, um, and and yeah, and, and training trainings. Training's been brilliant. So, yeah, I think we are going in the right direction um, and hopefully we can keep going. You know, as I said earlier, the, the toughest thing with, uh, with with London is each year the time around the players. That's that's the toughest thing for London, you know. So, um, hopefully hopefully this year we can we can build on the last couple of years and, um, you, know, you know, go for it again. And we know the league campaign is going to be another tough, uh, a tough ordeal and you know we we got games away this year whereas last year all our games were at home and that benefited us because you know all the travelling and, and whatnot. so but this year we got games we got games in Ireland again so um, it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be another a, another great year that I'm looking forward to and hopefully London can push on again and improve and get more wins under their belt Exactly and just on the game this weekend you've obviously got Paul Coggins who we all know as former London manager he's managing you and another little bit to this story is he's a Roscommon man so he'll have you well briefed on Clon the Gale <laughs> Yeah yeah you know um, he's uh, I think he's from Michael Glavie's club is it yeah, um, but yeah. yeah look Paul Coggins is a he's a very passionate he's a very passionate Roscommon man and uh, um, I think he's he's looking forward to it. You know, he's looking forward to bringing back uh, his his club that he's been part of, Chicken the Gales, for I would say twenty years. So I think uh, he's very looking forward to to managing the team and bringing them back to Roscommon to to play the Roscommon champions. And I'm sure it'll be a proud moment for Paul and and hopefully we can uh, go and put a performance on for him and. And, you know, have a good day in Dr. Hyde Park on Sunday. Exactly. Um, before I let you go, Declan Rice has been in the news a lot um, recently and it looks like he's going to go play with England now in soccer. And it's a similar situation to you, very strong Irish connections, but, you know, he's English born and is, is, is English. So I'm, I'm sure you can identify with what a difficult decision he's had to make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, it, it is tough. Um, be, um, it can be it can be a huge, a huge decision on his career and things like that. So you know, growing up in growing up in England, growing up in London, and and having an Irish family, but then also having English mates, and then you know playing soccer and playing rugby, and you know you, you do have a you have a mixture, you know, and and uh, and uh, but you have the best of both worlds, you know. So through Gaelic football, I've I've met a lot of. Irish Irish people that I would call friends now and and things like that. So you, you've got a good mixture, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a tough decision for him. And I'm sure whatever whatever he goes with is it's going to be the right one for him personally. Yeah, exactly. Listen, Liam, thanks very much for taking the call, and best of luck at the weekend. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Take care.
is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're at home by where Bernard I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient but this little dink ball you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest and there's consternation then in around the D and in around that area watch for this in the semis in the final do you know the one I'm talking about that little fisted ball that's just bound in a, in a crowded area but it gets to the, the yeah, body you, you have said it three times it's in around you. but you're looking at me you're looking <laughs> well, out at me out of a crowded area is it? you're <laughs> looking at me with such a confused a confused head in you it's like I was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there in a crowded area Yeah, watch for it Okay, lads, we'll have a look ahead to the club games at the weekend. The county finals are over, lads, except for the Galway uh, football final replay. That's between Currafin and Mount Bellew, my lock. Currafin are 1 to 5, according to Paddy Power. Mount Bellew are 4 to 1. Last week, Currafin were 1 to 7, so they've gone in a little bit based on last week's final, which was 7 all. So Currafin have a full week to try and figure out how to get through this uh, Mount Bellew, my lock. Uh, my advice to them do a little bit more like you did in the last minute of the game and you might you might be doing all right just give it to London who's completely free <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so that's it for county finals um, so it's all about provincial clubs lads and like I mean this is a really exciting time of the year for me I love it I love all these provincial championships and seeing who beats who the first one here is on Saturday it's the only Saturday match and it's Cross McGlenn against uh, Cole Island um, Cross McGlenn incredibly for me in this one with Paddy Power 1-2 to two favourites and Cole Island are 21-10 to 10 outsiders like to Tyrone champions I can't see that based on the fact that Cross McGlenn are not the force that they were five years ago mm. even Aaron said they're in tr- transition but like I mean Cross McGlenn are a powerhouse in Ulster Club football they've 11 they've 11 uh, titles they've never lost a final like I mean they're just a sensation when it comes to this um, Tyrone teams have only ever won it twice and that was Errigal Kieran in uh, they've won it they won it twice themselves so there's only one club has ever won the Ulster Club and tradition in these competitions does count for a lot don't know why maybe it's this dog eat dog Tyrone championship mm-hmm. that when they win it they like just hang put the feet up and go we're done lads this is our focus for the year we're not really but they might say they're worried about it but they're not really whereas mm-hmm. Cross McGlenn are, are programmed for this this is their this is part of their goals for the year you know what I mean yeah. whereas Cole Islands their goal at the start of the year to win a county title I would be surprised if they have a meeting at the start of the year and mention anything other than county no final way. even county yeah. final so it's hard for them then to switch back on and say here we're not done yeah. <laughs> even if you tell yourself oh, yeah. we've done, oh we won't stop now we've won the county we, we'll keep going like subconsciously no. yeah. like so, some people you've, I've already checked out like. yeah that's a text on Tuesday just alright lads you know we're playing now in two weeks time so we'll get the yellow again on Saturday like, no, like it's always fascinating when you're talking about Port Leash and yeah. how you're always thinking about Leinster like honestly like I've never like seen or heard that in Derry anyway even yeah. like you know, like it's tradi- see it's tradition right I think it's tradition and the reason I'm surprised Ball and Derry wouldn't or Blahy or one of these lads who've won it no, I'm not in these clubs as, but you, yeah. as you grow as you grow up with Port Leash you hear about Leinster clubs You like my uncle captain Port Leash to a Leinster club I heard about that growing up I wanted to win a Leinster club not only a county title so we won our first county title in 99 we, won, we went into Leinster we were just delighted to win the, the county now we talked a bit about it but we wasn't really then we won our second one I remember I was in America for the Leinster Club like I went back over to America um, it wasn't that serious it wasn't until 2004 where we won our third one that we were like a goal at the start of our year with the team we had like a lot of lads actually bet on us to win Leinster at 16 to 1 we were outsiders because we hadn't won a leash in a few years and we won it and they all cashed in um, but that was it that's when the tradition kicks in so if you look at this next one Burren versus Scottstown right so Scottstown have won the Ulster Club 
four times. They won three. They won a three in a row, 78, 79, 80. Byrne have won it five times. So they're well up the list. They won it 83, 80, 45. Three in a row as well, 87 and 88. They beat Scottstown in the 1985 final. So I be, wouldn't be surprised if this is being mentioned in the Scottstown dressing room. It's like we are a big traditional club and we we don't stop at Monaghan titles we, we look at and they list out a few of the lads that played years mm. ago do you want not want to do what they did you not want to emulate mm. them and that's the psychology that drives these big clubs I think on to want to emulate other teams of the past and not switch off after county titles so Burner 6-4 outsider Scottstown 8-11 to um, Scottstown's pedigree and inter-county players probably reflected in the fact but it is in Park uh, Elser so I'm not sure if you have anything to say about that one lads no but I, I agree like I think there'll be sons and there'll be probably people on the coaching staff as well like who've played in these games that you're talking about yeah. and their sons will be playing like, so there will be that sort of tradition I agree will you carry on there you go <laughs> see that's thing like we were told all about like like I mentioned my uncle was on it but Curly Prendergast Colin Brown Jerry Brown all these famous Portleash players who won numerous county titles and they won like four four Leinsters and they won in all mm-hmm. Ireland and it's like, are you going to be? Are you can you can you achieve what they achieved? That was always the challenge yeah. for us. Now we ha- we didn't. We only won. Uh, well, I only won one Leinster, but Portlaoise won two, and we absolutely should have won in All Ireland. But it's always like a bit of a, a huge regret that we didn't yeah. win more at Leinster like, and All Ireland level. How is that comparable? Like you say, like Portlaoise would have like dozens of dozens of county titles, you know, and so it, it's natural that their ambition would be to go on and win provincials in All Ireland. Whereas Castle, Castle Rahan and Cavan, yeah, they won their first county in like fifty years, like fifty two years, I think. So, like yeah. you know, the the ambitions of of the clubs are skewed. It's like how, how could you not get carried away by winning your first county no. title and in that, fifty like, years? Uh, and no Cavan club has ever won the Ulster club, so they're yeah. five to two outsiders to beat Cole Ray from Derry. Derry, well, uh, Keen Mackey lads, it was a good one about Keen Mackey because I text Keen Mackey the night after they won the All Ireland or they won the county final, and I got his number off one of his Cavan teammates, and the Cavan teammate, a once who it was, says, "You'd be doing well now to get Keen for the next week after <laughs> after winning that." So I sent him on the text. I sent him on the text anyways, and couldn't believe it at half 11 that night got a text back yeah no problem Wooly what time or no problem uh, what time do you, are you ready at no spelling mistakes no nothing perfectly legible <laughs> his so assistant I, swear, I went yes, that was a, an interesting one so I rang him about five times the next day no answer <laughs> I, text, I texted him the next day no answer I haven't heard from Keen Mackey <laughs> so if anybody for this game. if anybody knows if Keen Mackey's alright can you contact us on the show and just let just let us know that he's okay that he's still going that he's going to be playing this weekend Derry clubs have won the Ulster Club 15 times one Balahi Ballanderry Slocknail Dungiven Deloop and uh, Ballerin I didn't I'd never heard of that Ballerin. club Ballerin yeah. um, there's my pronunciation again so like I mean even if your club hasn't won it even the culture within the county can yeah, move yeah. you know what I mean can push you on so like I mean Coleraine might just be based on the fact that Jesus Derry clubs have never let themselves down like I mean, I'm picturing the, the, the speeches by the managers in the dressing room to try and get these fellas back psychologically yeah. into the frame of mind to play well it's interesting like 2014 when Stock Neil won their first Ulster their second ever county title that followed an Ulster because they had beaten Ballanderry who the year before had won an Ulster so maybe then when you come through that and you, you believe think, you can win it won last year let's go on and win this and then they got to the Ireland final got there again you know and they won three Ulsters in that time so Coleraine having beaten Sock Neil after a draw and a replay so you know they deserve to beat them after yeah. few games they've come through that and think right here's a team who two years ago were in the Ireland final four years ago were in the Ireland final 
let's start looking at Ulster here because they yeah. let themselves down the last time they were in it 2010 they didn't lost the first round and right see maybe losing one like that is important although that's 8 years ago so it might be a completely different team or or is it right so Cargan from Antrim are 10 to 3 outsiders according to Paddy Power uh, they play Guidor they're 2 to 7 Donegal clubs have only ever won at once lads they have a very bad record and like mm. I mean think of what a great county at inter-county level Donegal has been to only have St. Joseph's win it in 1975 there's no culture in Donegal with the Ulster Club I found that incredible that the likes across McGlen can be up on 11 and you know even Mullabon there's three Armagh clubs have won it like I mean there's seven Derry clubs have won it there's only mm. one Donegal which is unusual and they don't do well in, in any of the games like you never mind win the whole thing they no. usually lose mm. like the no. first one I'm surprised the Carrigan are such long odds Kilcar didn't Kilcar I thought only this year they were destroyed with injuries Ryan McHugh McBurty were out they have at least shown against Slocknail last year that Donegal club football is at a is at a good level because they had a brilliant game yeah, against Slocknail yeah. last year. So Gidor, you know, now are going to come into this and think, you know, we have a good chance again. It's all psychological. Yeah, it's all psychological. Whether they want, if do you want it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Gidor guys might be going, ah, we, we're all right, we're happy enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's it. You know, we well, are speaking about pedigree there, Conan, as well. Like Carrigan um, beat St Gauls, yeah. who have an excellent pedigree. Also, <laughs> yeah. now I know also they're not probably not as good as they were at their peak, you know, about ten years ago or so. But that's if you're talking about pedigree, I'm surprised that they are such long odds taking yeah. on Gidor with Donegal having no pedigree. So. Yeah, no pedigree again. But like obviously Carrigan have none, no pedigree of their own you know yeah, goals yeah, have but like I mean they don't have drawn Connacht Club Championship lads Clonagale are playing Tier Connell Gales and we talked with Liam Gavigan there so they're having to travel over to Dr Hyde Park so Clonagale are going to win this one you'd be fairly sure though Tier Connell Gales are decent and I think Fulham Gale, Fulham Irish lost to Corrafin last year 2-8 to 1-4 so they didn't disgrace themselves mm. they went 1-1 to no score up and that's after sitting under arses for three months waiting for the Connacht Championship to actually Conclude. So now Tyr Connell Gales are just coming off a county, ti- county title win, just the very same as Clan Gales. So they don't have that, you know, kind of handicap that they used to have. So Clan Gales are really interesting club lads. They're the Mayo of club football, basically. So they've never won the All Ireland club. They've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Jeez. No, they've lost. I think they've lost. Fi- they lost four finals in a row between 86 and 89 they've won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 they've won 7 Connacht titles mm. a lot of them the were in a row as well weren't they in the yeah. 80s yeah. they won in 82, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89 they won 1, 2, 3, 4 they won 5 uh, Connacht titles in a row never won a final Portleash beat them in 83 great day for the town go on the town I'm <laughs> getting Portleash into this uh, a lot aren't I um, they lost 4 finals in a row to the Burren to St Finbars to Nemo Rangers three co- or 2 Cork teams a down team and Balting Glass who were a really strong Wicklow team back then so like I mean they have huge pedigree at club, at club level if they get into an hour final I'm not backing them <laughs> it's a little bit you could listen I think all of Mayo will be supporting Clonagale here uh, Connor. I think so with a record like that yeah. how, how could you not have sympathy for them so Clonagale are 1-8 to Tyr Connell Gales are 11-2 to two outsiders uh, Tural Strain I'm pronouncing that right Connor. I am Tural Strain Tural Strain um, and Ballantubber so Ballantubber 1-4 to 4 to 
beat Turl Strand Ballantober made the final in 04 but lost badly to Cara Finn which is surprising because Castlebar well able to put it up to mm. Cara Finn Ballantober able to pull up Castlebar but Ballantober yeah, can't yeah. put it up to Cara Finn <laughs> so you'd imagine it'll be Ballantober Cara Finn final again this year unless Clan de Gael have something to say about that so Turl Strand made the final in 1982 but we're beaten by uh you guessed it Clan yeah. <laughs> if you were in the Connacht final in the 80s it's a good chance you were beaten by Clan Um once Jesus lads we're getting this is this is taking a long time this is going to be a long podcast here because we haven't got to the football go through this quickly Munster final, Munster uh, semi-championship quarterfinals Adair who won their second ever title are 15 to 8 outsiders against Denier Denier have been beaten in the final 06, 14 and 16 they're a solid solid um, club team um, obviously have Connor Gleeson who's an absolutely brilliant hurler and an even better footballer and they have Jamie Barron on their team as well Mile Rovers don't have Peter Atchison back this week they're 13-2 to two outsiders they've never won it lost finals in 95 and 98 Dr Croaks 1-10 to 10 favourites to beat them they've won it seven times so they're second in the list of Munster Club Football Championship wins who's on top Nemo Rangers with 16 these are the powerhouse mm. of club football. Can I just say, Willie, this is excellent research that you put onto the issue. <laughs> it's really, it's fascinating. Thanks, it's, it's good to know you enjoyed it. Wikipedia is my friend. If Wikipedia is incorrect, then we're all screwed here. Um, onto the hurling one. Leinster Club quarterfinals. Ballyhale Shamrocks here are not playing this weekend. They have a bye. So these are the quarterfinals. Ballyhale are already into the semifinals. They're the top uh, title holders in Leinster Club football. They have eight. They lead Burr with seven so they're two of the real prestigious clubs in Leinster hurling with All-Irelands and with uh, Leinsters so Cool Derry from Offaly they are playing Mount Leinster Rangers that's at half one so that's going to be on TG4 the third covers they're, Cool Derry are 4 to 11 favourites Mount Bellier Rangers are 5 to 2 according to Paddy Power Cool Derry last won in 2011 um, uh, Mount Leinster Rangers last won it in 2013 so they've won it more recently um, Mount Leinster Rangers actually made it to the final that year and the reason you'll all remember that they made it to the final is because of this If we genuinely genuinely believe that we're going to win today we will win I am 100% convinced we will win I am 100% convinced Do not let yourself down today lad. I want to go to Rowe Park on Paddy's Day I want to more than anything in the world we all remember Mount Leinster Rangers lads <laughs> so there we go that's that one we'll have to move through it a little bit faster uh, Ballyboden St Enders play Clonkill of Westmead Parnell Park at 2 o'clock Ballyboden 1-8 to eight favourites here Clonkill 11-2 to two outsiders Clonkill have never won it Ballyboden have never won it either but I'm sure now that they're coming out of Dublin after what Kula did they'll have serious um, aspirations they lost the final in 2007 to Burr by one point Ballyboden did so like they'll try and right those wrongs um, the likes of Conal O'Keeney will be looking for two a dual Leinster title which would be a huge achievement to win the club football and uh, club uh, hurling well can I get Portlaoise into this again yeah go on 1988 oh, <laughs> 1988 Portlaoise won the Leinster club football and they were beaten by a goal in the last minute by Ratnew to win the Leinster club hurling imagine being dual Leinster club now I need to check is that 88 I'm pretty sure it was 88 that I, it's never been done. Same, Slocknail did year. it. Slocknail, the same year. Yeah. Uh, double. A double Leinster. Which is, would have been... And I remember being at the game with my father. A goal in the last minute to uh, Ratnewer. So, like, I mean, that was a, a heartbreaking for Port Yeah, sickener. What's, what's the hurling like in Port now? 
they won the Senior B this year. Right. So they actually play Glen Ely this weekend of Wicklow. Because Glen Ely go into the intermediate, it's an in Leinster Intermediate Championship. So Glen Ely, so it'll be the boys against Leighton Glen and the lads. Leighton Glen doesn't start for Glen Ely actually, I was uh, just noticed that. So they play, they play them. Um, what else have we got here? We've cameras from Leash. They're twelve to five outsiders against Navena. That's in a Moor Park. I wouldn't really have cameras twelve to five outsiders there. Cameras have tradition in this. They've won it twice. Um, Navena have only won their first ever county title only two weeks ago. So, like, I mean, cameras will be seeing Leash Championship and will be absolutely focused on the Leinster Club, and they're at home. And they're against a club who've only ever won it once. I'd be giving Camaros a much better chance there than uh, 12 to 5. Uh, Munster Club uh, Championship semi-finals. Black Rock are the, are the best club in, in Munster. But it shows how competitive Munster hurling is, lads. Black Rock are the <coughs> top title holders and they've only got five. You know, like, I mean, that's not too many. Now, Piercing have won it four times um, since 2011. 11, 13, 15, 17. So, Napiershig have never won a, a Limerick title without following it up in the Munster Club Hurland. They've never been beaten in Munster Club Hurland. That's some uh, record, isn't it? Mm. So, they're 1 to 8 to bleed Clonulty, Ross Moore of Tipperary, who've never won the Munster Club. And then the last game this weekend, we have Bally Gunner who are a bit of a mayo in provincials. <laughs> Sorry. I'll stop it when we go. Come okay, on. Well, <laughs> actually, they're not, because Ballygunner uh, Gunner won the Munster Club in 2001, but they've been beaten in seven other finals. So they've been in the final eight times and only won it once. So they play Ballye um, this weekend. I actually forgot to put the odds down on this. I think Ballygunner uh, are, are pretty strong favourites to win this. Ballye, of course, won the Munster Club two years ago and they got to the final and lost it to Kula no shame in that so that's going to be I think that's the big game of the weekend and that's on TG4 so um, I'm really looking forward to that that's at half one on TG4 and then you have the Ballyboden uh, is the Ballyboden game is the other one on TG4 o- is that what Carlo, is? oh the Offaly yeah the Cool Derry versus Mount Leinster Rangers that's the deferred game this weekend so sorry lads second weekend in a row where it's all hurling on, on TG4 you're completely screwed <laughs> although I have to say that after going through all those games I do. I, well, I do think that Ballygunner Ballyea game is the game of the weekend in hurling and football. I'm trying to think. There's no huge standout. Maybe the the Cross McGlen, uh, Coal Island one on Saturday night. Burns Scottstown maybe. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, I would have that uh, over the Cool Derry Mount Leinster Rangers. So I don't know why TG4 are going again for uh, double hurling again at the weekend. I'm not too sure, but they want to start looking after us football uh, people. <laughs> We can't seem biased here. This is a mixed uh, podcast. <laughs> all right, that's all we've time for this week, and I'm sure that was well over an hour. It's great to see. Well, we keep going and make it the two hours, <laughs> GA hours. <laughs> well, like uh, listen, this this is the point I'm making. What a wonderful time of the year this yeah, is. I'm actually kinda... thinking next year you could, although I like to wind down and take it a little bit easier this time <laughs> of the year. You could do a full hurling and a full football show. You actually could yeah. at club, at, even for the club. You really could, but I'm not going to because I'll get late. Because Willie can hold Conan can. Well, extra I was just going to say, who are you getting to do the hurling show? <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks to everybody for watching on YouTube, and we'll talk to you on Monday where we'll be reviewing all that stuff. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. 
For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.